This is the Fantasy Football Podcast, where we take data and convert it into fantasy success. No bias, no hot takes, only victory. This is the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast, and now your host, Dustin Chandry. Welcome to episode 36 of the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast. For today's episode, we will be looking at key observations and trends from around the league in week 10. But before we get started, I want to remind you that you can follow and interact with the show on Twitter. We are at FFAlchemistPod. Now verified, again, it is at FFAlchemistPod. You can also email the show at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com. Over the last two weeks, the Baltimore Ravens have scored eight total touchdowns. However, Lamar Jackson has only been involved in one of them. Now, by year, here's the percentage of touchdowns that Lamar Jackson has been involved in, either passing or rushing. 2021, he was involved in 64% of the team's touchdowns. 2022, 74%. But this year, 2023, it is down to 54%. Now, conversely, Gus Edwards played 14 snaps yesterday. He had two rushing touchdowns, 17.2 fantasy points. And since 2021, only Elijah Mitchell has played fewer snaps in a game with multiple rushing touchdowns. And the average snap count for all running backs with two rushing touchdowns in a game since 2021, 39 snaps. Again, Gus Gus Edwards only played 14. On top of that, you have Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and you now have an emerging Keaton Mitchell, which is now a three-headed committee at the running back position for a unit group that is due for serious touchdown touchdown regression. Now, Lamar Jackson remains a buy high for me, and Gus Edwards remains a sell high as we move closer to the fantasy playoffs. Since 1950, Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud is the youngest player ever at 22 years and 33 days to have a game with 450 passing yards and five passing touchdowns. Now, through this season, through eight games, C.J. Stroud currently 35 completions of 20-plus yards. That's second most in the league. He has three completions of 50-plus yards. That's tied for the most in the league. He's averaging 284 pass yards a game. That's third most. And he has 14 passing touchdowns. That is tied for seventh most. Now, prior to Week 9, Stroud had three straight games below 15 fantasy points. But his 40-point outing on Sunday has lifted Stroud to quarterback 8 on the season. In addition, on Sunday... The Texans had three players with over 100 receiving yards in the same game. That is the first time in franchise history. Noah Brown had six catches for 153 and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had 10 catches, 130 yards and a touchdown. And Tank Dell had six catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns. Now, over the last three games, it might be surprising who is actually leading the Texans in receiving yardage. It's not Tank Dell. He has 130 yards. Now, granted, he's only played two of the last three. It's not Nico Collins, who's at 164 yards. It's not Dalton Schultz, who's at 196 yards in the last three games. It's actually Noah Brown, who has 247 receiving yards over the last three games. And speaking of Dalton Schultz, this guy is on an absolute heater right now over his last four games. Starting in week five, his target share has gone from 33%, week six to 29%. Week eight after the bye week, it dipped to 14%. But in week nine, it went back up to 28% target share. He is averaging 11.5 points per game. He is tight end 8 on the season, but he was tight end 1 
Last week in Week 9, he has scored a touchdown in four of his last five games. And since Week 5, Dalton Schultz's fantasy production is right on par with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews as the tight end one on a points-per-game basis again since Week 5. Atlanta Falcons running back Bijan Robinson has seen a sub-50% running back rush share in four of his last five games, and on the season is only at 38% of Atlanta's running back carries. Now, other notable running backs across the league with a higher percentage of the team's carries this season, David Montgomery's at 39%. Now he missed three games. Kyron Williams is at 41%. Again, he has also missed three games. Chuba Hubbard is at 44% of Carolina's total carries this year. He was a backup up until week four. And if you look at some key advanced rushing metrics, comparing Bijan Robinson to Tyler Algier, it is just incredibly frustrating to see what, Ar- what Arthur Smith is doing to this offense. If you look at yards before contact, Bijan Robinson is averaging 1.73 yards per contact. The NFL average is 1.27. Tyler Algier is at 0.3. Right, Tyler Algier is a full yard below contact on the league average, while Bijan Robinson is half a yard better than the league average. If you look at short yardage rushing, that's attempts where you have three or fewer yards to the first down. Rushing attempts, Tyler Algier actually has more than Bijan Robinson on the season, 23 to 17. Those yards per attempt, Bijan Robinson is well outpacing Algier, 5.7 yards to 2.3, which makes the success rate better. Bijan Robinson, 65% success rate. Tyler Algier, 57% success rate at converting those first downs. And then you look at your explosive rush rate. These would be your percentage of runs that went for more than 10 yards. Bijan Robinson is at 15.5%. Tyler Algier is only at 6.9%. Only Raheem Mostert has a higher explosive rush rate right now than Bijan Robinson among backs with at least 100 attempts. And it's hard to explain why Arthur Smith and the Falcons continue to play this backfield closer to a committee situation. Bijan Robinson has a slight lead in snaps played in Week 9, but Algier had more total opportunities, 15-14. to 14. Unfortunately, I don't see much changing right now in regards to the Falcons' backfield situation. Now, flipping to the quarterback and receiver situation, even with Taylor Heineke at cornerback and Drake London out of the lineup, Kyle Pitts' utilization was unchanged last week. Kyle Pitts continues to hover between 50 to 60% snap participation and five to six targets over his last four games, including Sunday. By comparison, Bills rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid had 11 targets and 10 receptions this week. Lions rookie tight end Sam Laporta, he has had 10 targets three times this year. Kyle Pitts, in three seasons in the league, has just two games with 10-plus targets and has never had a 10-reception game. Now, I didn't have any expectations that Pitts would see a fantasy boost with the change at quarterback, and Sunday's performance reinforces that belief. Nothing changes for Pitts and Drake London, and maybe even Bijan Robinson, until the Falcons move on from Arthur Smith this offseason. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is finally back to being the automatic weekly RB1 at his position. Now, since week five, we've seen his snap participation significantly increase. Starting in week five, he played 16% of snaps when he returned. That has increased from 43% to 49% to 61% to 75% of snaps in week nine. That is his highest of the season and is on par with what he saw in 2022 when he had 78% snap share from weeks one through 13. Now, on Sunday, Taylor had the most opportunities he's seen all season as well. 18 carries 
47 yards, five receptions, 22 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. That's 23 total opportunities. That was converted into 17.9 fantasy points. Now, on the flip side, Zach Moss played his lowest snap percentage of the season at only 21% with seven carries and no targets. Zach Moss at this point is nothing more than a high-value handcuff with the return of Jonathan Taylor back to his 2022 workload. Week 9 was the first game this season where Packers running back Aaron Jones played more than 50% of snaps. He had a 57% snap share. He had 54% of the carries. He had 52% route participation. Jones finished with 20 carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. On top of that, he had four receptions for 26-yard receiving on a team-high six targets. He had 17.9 fantasy points, finished as RB8 on the week. Now, this is the first time that he has reached double-digit carries since last season, and the first time he reached 20 carries since week 10 of last year. His four receptions on six targets were both tied for the most this season as well, and he hasn't seen more than five targets since week 11 of last year. Of course, this is a positive sign that Aaron Jones can remain a fantasy starter in your lineup going forward. Buccaneers running back Rashad White is a great example of why we chase usage in season. Now, Rashad White had an elite snap participation and running back opportunity to share all season, but it hasn't translated into fantasy success due to his rushing inefficiency and the lack of touchdowns that capped his ceiling. However, on Sunday, Rashad White finally broke out with 27.9 fantasy points. He finished as running back one on the week. He had 20 rushes for 73 yards, two rushing touchdowns. He caught all four of his targets for another 46 yards receiving. Now, Rashad White, over his last three games, is averaging 20.5 fantasy points, 73% running back rush share, and 15% target share per game. By the way, Rashad White is the league leader in routes run, is in the top five in targets, and has the best catch rate of any running back, too, as he's caught 32 of 33 targets this season. That's 97%. Now, I've been on the bandwagon for multiple weeks that Rashad White should have remained in your starting lineups. And given this performance on Sunday, he should be considered a borderline RB1 the rest of the season as his utilization is finally turning into expected fantasy production. In Minnesota's first game without Kirk Cousins, TJ Hawkinson saw 12 targets for a 34% target share. He has scored double-digit PPR points in all but one game this year. Teammate Jordan Addison, he played over 90% of snaps for a second straight week, and he was second on the team in targets with seven targets. Now, last week, I was very concerned about Hawkinson and Addison without Cousins, but this performance does give me confidence that they can continue to produce at or near their production when Cousins was at quarterback. Another Vikings injury with fantasy implication is Cam Akers, as he suffered an Achilles tear, which is actually the second of his career. The injury occurred in the at the end of the third quarter, at that point, the Vikings backfield had been a pretty even split with Alexander Madison taking 27 snaps to Akers 23. Madison played all 15 snaps after the injury. Prior to the Cam Akers trade, Alexander Madison was playing over 70% of snaps, but that dropped to about 55% of snaps in the three games with Akers. And Madison was seeing about three and a half more opportunities per game prior to the Akers trade. For fantasy purposes, I think we can assume Alexander Madison will see a larger utilization on par with his weekly performances prior to the Acres trade, when Madison scored double-digit fantasy points in five of six contests. Now that Kirk Cousins is out for the season, 
It's Washington quarterback Sam Howell who is leading the league in dropbacks, passing attempts, and his second in the league in passing yards. However, that hasn't really translated to fantasy success for the rest of the Washington skill players. Now, there's two reasons for this. First, while Howell is dropping back a lot, the most in the league, in fact, he is also on pace to set the single-season sack record. He's taking 44 sacks through nine games, and he has the most quarterback pressures by a pretty wide margin. And unfortunately, most of that, I think, is actually on Sam Howell as opposed to his offensive line. Furthermore, his passer rating under pressure is in the bottom third of the league. Now, let's compare the previously mentioned Kirk Cousins. His passer rating under pressure was among the league's best at 95.4. However, Sam Howell is currently at 66.3. So even though Howell has a lot of passing volume, a larger share than league average never even leaves the pocket. And those that do when under pressure, they're not accurate. Now, the other compounding effect is that Washington is highly fragmented as a, as a unit. On Sunday, 11 different players ran a route and nine of them had at least two targets each. So while it's a high volume pass offense, it's also highly inefficient and it's highly fragmented. And keep in mind, that's without Curtis Samuel as he didn't play on Sunday and he barely played the previous week. Now I will mention Jahan Dotson has 26 targets over his last three games with two touchdowns. However, outside Terry McLaurin, I would remain skeptical of placing any Washington skill player in my starting lineup. On Sunday, Alvin Kamara played under 50% of New Orleans offensive snaps for the first time since 2020. In fact, his snap participation has dropped every week from week 6 on. It was at 80% in week 6, then to 73, then to 58, and then 49% on Sunday. His 14 total opportunities, 9 carries plus 5 targets, was also the lowest of the season. Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller took half of the early down snaps from Kamara, while Williams has taken over as the clear third down back for the team. Kamara ran the ball nine times for 26 yards, and then you also add in Taysom Hill, who ended up with the most carries of all Saints players, with 11 carries for 52 yards on Sunday. Now, all of Hill's carries occurred while he was lined up at quarterback. Hill's usage will be inconsist inconsistent from week to week, but Williams and Miller, I think, will continue to combine for about 50% snap share of the running back group. On top of that, Kamara's ceiling as a fantasy asset was boosted by his receiving prowess. In his first four games back this year, Kamara was averaging 10 targets a game. However, Kamara's target volume has dropped in half with five targets apiece in each of the last two games. Now, this is definitely a worry in development for Kamara owners. And I would explore selling Kamara if I could still get anything close to his running back one value from two weeks ago. And we'll finish today's episode with four quick hits. First, let's talk about Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, because from a PPR standpoint, his output over the last three games is 6.9, 6.1, and 6.8 fantasy points. However, his target share in those games was 26%, 31%, and 26% again. I believe Cooper Cup is an excellent buy-low candidate with Matthew Stafford likely returning to quarterback following the Rams' Week 10 bye. Now looking at the Patriots' wide receiver situation, in the wake of Kendrick Bourne's ACL tear, the Patriots turned to rookie six-round pick DeMario Douglas, or Pop Douglas. On Sunday, Pop Douglas played 53 of 64 snaps, and most importantly, he played 34 of those snaps out wide. Previously, he was playing in the slot on 82% of his snaps. He had seven targets for a 16% target share. He caught five for 55. 
As for the Chicago Bears, Cole Komet led the Bears in targets on Sunday and is currently tight end five on the season. He has four games over 15 fantasy points and two games over 20. And on Sunday, he caught six of eight targets for 55 yards and two touchdowns. Cole Komet has seen at least five targets in six of nine games this season. And then lastly, I noted in last week's Don't Be Afraid to Start Him episode to watch for when T. Higgins gets back over 80% snap participation. Sunday was the first game since week three where T. Higgins was back over 80% of snaps played, and he delivered eight catches on nine targets for 110 yards, 19 fantasy points. Make sure to keep Higgins in your starting lineups going forward. So that'll wrap up episode 36 of the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. I'd ask that you like and subscribe as we'll be back later this week. We'll make some recommendations ahead of week 10 on players you should not be afraid to start. So for Dustin Chandry signing off here at the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. You can follow the pod on Twitter at FFAlchemistPod or email us at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com.